Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. And I'm your co-host, Jennifer. Well, I'm really excited about our topic for today. We're going to be talking about how not to teach preschool. But before we explore that topic, let's catch up with everybody. Uh, Holly, how are you? Well, I'm doing just fine. I'm enjoying the springtime, and we just started our third term of our homeschool. We have three terms. Each one is 12 weeks, and we have a new composer each term. This time, we're listening to the music of Franz Liszt, and I had a golden moment earlier today when uh, my son was listening. He said, you know, I think Liszt is primarily a piano guy. And I was like, yes, we, yeah, we, we haven't even read anything about him. We've just been listening to one of his pieces of music for the past two weeks. And I thought, wow, this stuff is starting to sink in. That's exactly what you want. I'm going to write on that little happiness for quite a while, I think. Uh, What about you, Jen? What's been going on? Well, we've also been enjoying the weather. It's been so nice. And we live by a lake, so we finally got our first lake day in, which was really wonderful. I've been waiting for that. But I have a funny moment to tell you about today that is a kind of a, you know, you're a homeschooler win moment. (laughs) Um, So my entire house has smelled like bleach for the last two days, and we couldn't figure out why. And it's just overwhelming. If you walk into the house, it smells like bleach. And then I realized that I have <laughs> I have a box of three dead baby pigs in my closet for, oh. for a dissection class that's coming up. Um, so today, I spent my day, my morning out in my front yard, unboxing these baby pigs that are in bags of formaldehyde, right? Formaldehyde, well, right. Apparently, oh, mm-hmm. One of them had a very small leak, like very small, (laughs) tiny little leak in it. And so the formaldehyde was leaking out into the box that they're in and the whole house just awful. But (laughs) as I'm out in my front yard, like rinsing (laughs) off bags of dead baby pigs, I was like, this is only something a homeschool parent would be doing. (laughs) Have you been, Melody? Oh, I've been doing really well, and my husband is improving every day. He's getting stronger, and so we've had a moment to, like, resume normal life and return to unpacking and organizing. Oh, and finally, one of our uh, missing cabinet bases was delivered, so we got to install a little bit of the kitchen. I say we. I did not do it. My (laughs) son-in-law and daughter came to install that, so so exciting to have drawers <laughs> right you don't oh know you goodness. know instead of things stacked drawers around, very like, nice. <laughs> drawers really actual real actual drawers so um every little movement toward more organization and the return of normal mm-hmm. orderly tidy home makes me very happy so i was really thankful when that came in we're still waiting on one or two major pieces that we can't move forward without so my daughter is going to be chasing after that She's like redoubling her efforts to find out what is going on. Well, let's get into our topic today, which is how not to teach preschool. And to start off, why don't we define what we're even talking about? What is what is preschool? Holly, why don't you start us off with your philosophy of uh, preschool or homeschooling in the preschool years? Okay, well, um, when I started homeschooling, I had four children. Um, my older two were kinder and second grade, and I had a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. 
Um, so I realized after a bottle of shampoo ended up on the bathroom floor and an antenna got broken off of a little TV that I, <laughs> I needed a plan. Um, so I, my plan was to find engaging activities to, uh, to do with them, to keep them kind of alongside of us, you know, so I could keep my eyes on them. So my, pre- my ideas about preschool have nothing to do with academics. Um, it just has to do with, you know, having a plan of what these little people can be doing during the day, having a schedule, uh, little kids definitely need a schedule or they just become really unhappy little people. So, um, my idea for preschool is just, you know, finding fun things to do with your little kids. You're going to naturally teach them colors. You're going to naturally talk to them about shapes. You don't really need a curriculum for that, but just, just having kind of a plan, um, and this, and some type of a schedule and, and keeping them outdoors as much as possible. I think that's mm-hmm. really great. Um, just, you know, helping them to use their big muscles and learn how to, um, how to get along with other people so that when you do start formal education and, and having them understand, you know, the hierarchy of your family, you know, so when you start formal education, they are on board with you and they, they know how the family runs, you know, and they're, they're ready to roll. That's kind of my idea. Yeah, I'm really, I mean, I agree with you on all of that. I don't, I don't, for me, preschool isn't a time where you're sitting down and learning academic work or working on particular subjects. But as an unschooler, I kind of look at it as from the beginning of, from when your child is born, you start unschooling. It's, an unschooling is just a way to live your life. So there's no attention needed to, you're just living your daily life with your child. And that should naturally include playing with them, singing with them, reading books with them, you know, doing fun activities, being outside a lot. All of the things that Holly mentioned as well, just naturally happen. So for me, it's, there was less uh, planning, although I did have uh, older children while I had preschoolers many times. Mm-hmm. And so I also did need to keep them busy. So I, all, you know, I had activities that would keep them busy and occupied while the other kids were doing things. And I had to get creative about that. But for me, I also see the preschool years as a time when you are observing your children and learning what their likes and interests are and their learning style. And it, that evolves as they get older, but you get good glimpses of it when they're younger and they're having free play time and things like that. So as an unschooler, if you're not actually trying to work up to any formal education, this is a great time to just observe your children, see how they work. You know, you can, especially with their learning styles, you can get a, learn a lot from just observing them during play during that time. Oh, I couldn't agree more with both of y'all. I feel like play is the most important thing or one of the most important things during that preschool age, which I just consider, you know, like you said, from birth till they start formal education. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, basically the same, the same kind of thing. They're learning how to be part of the family. And for us, it involved a lot of, um, just training and little tasks, how to do things. Everybody's helping. We're all helping. Um, our Preschool activities, more often than not, were the toys and the activities that we just had all the time. And sometimes it meant I would say, "Let go play with your blocks. Uh, go build something with the blocks while right. I help, you know, Haley with her spelling or whatever mm-hmm. was going on. But it was kind of training in how to how to leave people alone when they're doing something at the table. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, 
but the other part That's a hard that, one. <laughs> yeah, so it takes lots of practice. But I would spend time with my littlest one first, like get them started, get their important. They're not shoved off mm-hmm. to the side while everyone else is doing this important thing. Their life is important too. And so I would uh-huh. get them started, watch them play, play with them. Sometimes one of the older children would sit down and get them started on something so I could work with That's a else. great point. But if you was, have older children, using your older children as a way to interact with the younger children well, is right. great. Right, and too. that's a skill they need too, learning how to right. how to be around those little people. And I've seen it be a huge benefit on both sides. But for us, it was not something I bought curriculum for. It was just that mm-hmm. casual, everyday learning all about all the things that are around us in the world. And then teaching and training just so that they're pleasant to be around. Uh, Let's talk for a few minutes, since this is how not to teach preschool. Let's talk for a few minutes about some of the mistakes or the missteps that people make. A lot of times I have had friends that are so excited to be starting homeschooling, and they can't wait to get started. And a lot of times that seems to translate into, let me go by curriculum um, and let me copy the public school or let me copy what I see in the daycare, but that is not really this. Let's talk a little bit mm-hmm. about mistakes you've seen or things you've seen people do that makes it more difficult than it has to be. I definitely think people put too much pressure on themselves as parents and homeschoolers when, when they're looking into teaching preschool. I think a lot of people who are new to homeschooling are just starting out and they think you need to do things a certain way and they're more likely to look up, you know, curriculum and like, you know, lists of what my preschoolers should know. And I just really, I really want to encourage people to stay away from that kind of stuff because they're, they're just little children. They need to play and have fun. And so just avoiding any of the, what you're supposed to do type of thing at this age. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like those, those baby Einstein and those uh, teacher baby to read and all that. And like, if your kid is interested in reading, they're going to show you and you can run with that. But just it takes so much time to teach young children those types of things if they're not developmentally ready, that it's just a waste of your time and your child's time. You know, understanding child development is really important. If you want to learn anything for those preschool years, you really should familiarize yourself with what a developing child at two or three or four what they need. Um, And that will help you to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that companies are only too happy to take your money from you to get into, you know? Yes. That's true. There are so many curriculums for sale for preschool age, and you do not need any of them. No, but I did spend time at the teacher supply store buying fun art supplies. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, (laughs) Or or making a uh, making a case to my husband as to why I needed more discovery toy puzzles and things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right, and there's no harm in having that ABC puzzle that has the letter A and then it matches up to an apple and stuff like that because they're it's still a toy and they're playing with it as a toy and they're being exposed to these different pictures and things. And at some point in time, after you've played with all of these educational toys your children start making those connections. And then like Holly said, they're showing you that they're ready at that point. And that's when you can start teaching, but it can still be very informal. Mm-hmm. And you want those connections to be made naturally, mm-hmm. not exactly. definitely not through sitting down with a paper and a pencil and having them write out ABCs. That's oh yeah. Just not appropriate not. at this age. 
Well, and your pediatrician will also be a good resource because when you go to your child's, you know, two-year-old well checkup or whatever, they usually give you a, a little paper that talks about what you can expect for that period right. of time, you know, and if you, you know, if you're noticing that, I don't know, like your three-year-old can't walk upstairs or your uh, four-year-old can't, you know, perform certain activities that they should be, then there's cause for concern. But, right. you know, kids are naturally going to want to learn things, like try to stop them, <laughs> you know, <they're, laughs> and, so and you true. can, you can just provide them with those materials. I think my youngest daughter, um, you know, she was interested at the age of four in learning to read and write. And I remember when she, she came to me while I was trying to teach her brother to read. He's two and a half years older. And, and we were doing like a, like a little phonics blend thing, like ba, ba, biba, you know, and she said, can I do that? And I thought, oh, you're so cute. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and she rattled it off like anything. And I sat there right. dumbfounded thinking, oh, no. I'm not ready for this, you know. I don't have a, I don't have lessons for her. Um, so when your kids are ready, my goodness, they are going to show you they're ready. But you don't have to yes to and follow their lead. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't you don't please don't sit them down at a table with a pencil. No, and I think you know bringing up the pediatrician is important because the guidelines the pediatrician will give you at this age are things like fine motor skills and gross motor skills mm -hmm. and social skills, none of them are going to be academic skills because those aren't the things you need to focus on at a young age. Right. Those come later when they're ready. Right. Right. Preschool is really that time for all the other aspects of development. And and if you're living a learning lifestyle, you're all learning things all the time. Those are just naturally a part of your day. And it's all those little yes. things they're learning how to do little chores and little helpful things and how to get along with people. You know, mm -hmm. if everybody's dealt with a two-year-old. That takes a particular set of skills. They're I trying to three communicate. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so you're learning about how to, how if someone is upset, how do we work through it? How do we come away from this where both people are happy enough? Nobody's getting everything they want, but you know, you just having to, they have a lot of things to learn about getting along. Yeah, I have a video of my youngest son at 18 months old putting silverware in the silverware drawer from the dishwasher. He wanted to help. And now he's nine. Right. He unloads the dishwasher or the dish drainer, puts away all the dishes. You can't just spring that on kids oh, like, hi, you're nine now. I've got chores for you. <laughs> just do this. Yeah. You know, it's it's an <laughs> incremental process of, of helping your children to be part of your family and to be on the family team. You know, and that means everybody yes. pitches in. Um, and so those are important things to, to teach in the preschool years. But you still don't need a curriculum for it. No, absolutely not. And it doesn't need to be in addition to a curriculum. I think a lot of people don't see those lifestyle learning things as as school, as learning, you know, but that's exactly what they need to be learning at that time. And it is, it's valuable. So you don't need to say, you know, they did that, but they also need to sit down and do this. It's just not important at that age. Oh, I'm so glad you said it because I think sometimes people need to value what they're already doing. Like you don't realize yes. you are already training your child. That is, that is preschool. Right. And I, in my, in my past history, like when daycare, that's in my educational background, a lot of the reasons mm -hmm. there are certain activities in daycare is to replicate what normally happens at home. And so right. your home, just 
do your home things. Right. And include your children in it. If you go grocery shopping, you know, take your child, talk to them about what you're doing. If you're cooking, show them what you're doing. All of those things are, are how oh, they yeah. learn at that age. Let them help you. Let them crack the eggs. You get eggshells mm-hmm. everywhere. Then you learn how to clean up. All that stuff is just part of everyday life. And when they're included in that all the way through, they have that, they can be um, proud of being part of the team, like Holly mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we'll talk about how to teach preschool. The sun is out, the weather is warm, and spring break is over. That means it's transcript season. Whether your student is college-bound this fall or entering the workforce, they'll need a transcript. That's true. My oldest son has never gone to college, but he repeatedly needs me to get his transcript when he changes positions in his company. Math fan or math phobic? Either way, Transcript Maker calculates GPA for you. Instead of compiling data for hours, simply insert the credits and grades and the GPA appears on the transcript just like magic. Hard drive errors can cause you to lose all sorts of important documents. Transcript Maker has you covered by keeping your transcript in the cloud, safe and sound whenever and wherever you need it. Some free trials require you to put in your payment information. But Transcript Maker's 14-day free trial is truly free. You don't need to enter your payment information and it cancels itself after two weeks. When you decide to subscribe, use our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps and save 20% off the cost of your subscription. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we discuss pitfalls to avoid when working with your preschoolers. In this half, we'll be sharing how we did preschool. But first, we have one more pitfall to avoid. Jennifer? Well, we often talk on here about the benefits of joining homeschool groups on Facebook as a resource. And while that's really important and can help you in many ways, this is an instance where I personally just think that you should avoid those groups. There are so many preschooling for homeschooler Facebook groups or other social groups out there. And often in those groups, it's just a lot of pressure to say, you know, your child should be doing this and you should be doing it this way. And I've known a lot of people who have really felt like they're not doing the right thing because they're in those groups and they're listening, you know, and seeing what everyone else says you should be doing. And it's just a lot of pressure. So in my opinion, I think this is a one case where you should just avoid using those resources. Do you feel that also extends to uh, physical groups that are focused on homeschooling preschoolers? So I think that's an interesting question. I In my opinion, I think that you don't really need any organized preschool groups. I think that it's more beneficial to belong to things like play groups and park days and, you know, social gatherings, but not necessarily full-blown co-ops. Yeah, I would agree with you because it seems to become a, I'm doing it better than you're doing it, my kid's doing these advanced things kind of a situation. Uh, Melody, have you seen that? I have seen that, and it's the main reason I always encourage people at this age of the game to just, like, take advantage of park days and go and play. Yeah. And that, because the children at that age need to be running around and exercising and developing those large motor muscles, and those are the things that are important, running and jumping and climbing, and, and you get practice in being friendly and putting others first, and what to do if someone accidentally hurts someone else, and 
a little bit of first aid, all of those things, like that's really beneficial. So mom gets moms get to start developing their network of other moms because right. we need that support. And the little ones learn how to deal with people who aren't part of their family. Um, obviously, if you're already part of a co-op and you have older children, your little ones are going to have a preschool class or something in the co-op. And that's not really what we're talking about. We're just talking about if you've got some group that's going to do some kind of early academic focus or something like that where yeah. the pressure is on and that's not necessary and it's not right helpful. and and we don't you know teaching our children or living learning with our children is not a competitive game and a lot of i feel like a lot of those online facebook groups at that age are very competitive and they spread a lot of negativity um so i would just you know recommend avoiding them uh, unless you are looking for something very specific. That makes a lot of sense. It, it's hard enough to uh, raise little people without feeling like you're doing something wrong or that people are judging you. Yes, absolutely. All right. So that's like, that kind of wraps up all of the, the pitfalls that we had discussed earlier. Do y'all want to start sharing some of the fun things that you did or some of the helpful ideas you learned along the way to make preschool just just fall right into place in your learning lifestyle. Yeah, Jennifer, I want you um share some of the things you did. I'm I'm really interested in the unschooler perspective. Well, I think I we've talked about this before, but I think your your yours were probably very similar to mine with little ones, but it just involved a lot of outside and exploring and giving them space to explore. Um which means to me like when we would go to park days, I wasn't, you know, 2 feet behind my three-year-old everywhere they went at the park I, I gave them space and let them explore you know so I could see them from a distance you know uh but and I kind of went about everything we did that way I would let them make messes I would let them you know try things that maybe they're not ready to try and stuff like that just to give them the space for the experiences the learning opportunities and always I was there as a safety net as a guide along the way right um but some of my favorite things were outside exploration and, you know, bug hunts, scavenger hunts. Uh, I love, we do hiking a lot as a family. So even with the little ones, we always hike. And uh, we used to make nature bracelets where you turn, like get masking tape and turn it inside out as a bracelet. And then along the hike, they collect little things and add them to their bracelet. And then when you get back after the hike, you make art with it. And that's one of my favorite activities. And I love doing anything very hands-on, messy, active kind of stuff was always my favorite with the kids. Oh, I love those kinds of things. And collections. We always had a space for all the things that the little ones brought and the big ones that we all brought in. Um, a windowsill full of rocks and a windowsill full of interesting leaves. And then there were always sticks. So, like, my little people always had favorite sticks that they would save. And, um, <laughs> sticks and rocks, important. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> sticks and yeah. rocks. And then insect collecting. We had different, we learned, we tried a lot of different ways for saving and observing insects. You know, mm -hmm. some were already dead, but we tried to prolong their lives if they were alive and, just observing, like, how do, what do we feed this? Can we feed it? How long to keep it before you need to let it go so it can survive? And being open to all the messes that happen outside. Mud was always a favorite. There were seasons of times like, yes, you can play in the mud. But we did have, like, a specified mud area because I <laughs> didn't want the whole yard to be mud. But um, just giving them, like you said, that freedom to go outside and learn how to entertain themselves. It's part of the value of doing that. When I first started homeschooling, like like I said, I had 
the three-year-old and the 18-month-old that I had to keep busy. Um, and, and we have said, don't buy curriculum. I actually was given some, uh, a Becca preschool curriculum and I didn't use it in the way that they had intended, but it had really cute little things like little, uh, poems or little songs, things like that. So we would every start every day with a little song or a little poem or some kind of you know, like ring around the rosy, all those kind of little things, little play things that you would do. And then I had structured my um, preschool, I'm putting that in quotation marks, um, where I had a plan. So every weekend, I would decide what we're going to be have available in the coming week. So maybe, you know, I had, um, I had big, big building blocks, they were like Legos, but they're really big. I didn't give those to the kids every day because um, something they weren't used to seeing kept their attention a lot longer. So I would Mm -hmm. rotate through, um, you know, what toy was going to be available. And then when they got bored with that, I always had a big plastic cloth. Um, You know, you can get those plastic cloths that come with crayons and it might have like pictures the kids can sit in color. I would always lay down one of those big plastic cloths and I would give them paint with water, little Q-tips and a little bowl of water or something so they could make art. Uh, They thought they were really great artists. That's great. Yeah, and we had these little, um, I saw these at the teacher supply store and I think sometimes I bought the materials because I wanted to play with them and I had a reason (laughs) to get them, but it was a little uh, dot. Yeah, these were little um, tubes that had a spongy top on it and it made dots. And there were little books that went with it. And the kids could stamp the little colors onto the books. Oh, we had those too. Yeah, those. those were so much fun. And <laughs> and it would it would teach them some skills if they wanted to follow it. You know, it, it could teach them the principle, you know, that we read from left to right. But they were just dotting things or making little animals. And then we always had a snack. Because, you know, little people get cranky in the middle they of do. the morning. <laughs> and if yes, you give them do. a snack. You can probably get another, you know, hour to 45 minutes out of your morning. Well, it was such a surprise to me that my older kids wanted to do the snack, too, because I I would do crafts with the snack. Like we'd string Fruit Loops on a necklace. So the little ones had a Fruit Loop necklace. Oh, but then the eight year old needed one, too. (laughs) So I did have Mm -hmm. some kind of a plan. Um, I did have some things I was trying to accomplish. I had little soft books that they could, you know, they were fabric books they could play with and and they were peanut butter and jelly proof you know you just throw them in the washer and I would bring in the little the little uh, toddler slide I would bring it in the house if the weather was bad so they had some outlet for their energy Um, I would give them a bucket of water with a paintbrush so they could paint the house I'd get them outside as much as possible I fed everybody their lunch outside at a little picnic table that we had if we weren't leaving the house that day but just to keep them busy I would let them clean things you know I'd spray a little water on a on a cloth and they could wipe the front door, the little screen door area or put things away, but just keeping them busy and engaged. When I had toddlers, my refrigerator front was so clean because they were always, <laughs> they had a little spray bottle and I would let them <laughs> clean the fridge and they would clean the front door. And I, I miss those days. They were playing off their own little fingerprints from the windows. and mm-hmm. That's adorable. Uh, and it was so much fun. And also our kitchen floor was cleaner then because I'd let them play on the floor and mop it in their swimsuits mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, how fun. and they dry it all up with towels and 
That was so fun. You're absolutely right about having some kind of a routine and those little um, activities to do blocks and even a little play kitchen and um, puzzles and things like that. So, you know, we say like you don't need curriculum, but some of the curriculum providers do have some really nice packets of hands-on activities like lorry puzzles and stacking pegs Mm. and all Mm -hmm. of those things. Like if you don't, if you're starting from scratch and nobody's given you those things or handed those things down, that is not a bad way to, to get a nice set of suitable kind of activities for your little people. Right. Or I, you know, one of the things I did that we loved is we made Play-Doh at the beginning of the week. We made fresh new Play-Doh every Monday and then they had Play-Doh all week to, you know, just create with and then, and they helped make it every week Mm -hmm. and we just kept doing that. I love Play-Doh, but they really enjoyed it because they would, you know, they would help make it. They would pick the colors and everything. They'd each have their own batch, you know, and then it would just be played with in and out during the week. That's such a great idea to just go ahead and make it every week. <laughs> oh, yeah, because uh, you know how they mix the colors and it gets really gross oh, yeah. or it's oh, yeah. full oh, of hair because it was on the floor. We just had a big discussion about <laughs> mixing Play-Doh. Like some of my friends just can't. They just, no. <laughs> it's so like, funny. you know, that grayish purple Play-Doh is still fun to play with. It always ends up sort of a muddy color. Mm-hmm. This is why my kids always made their own batches too. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you oh, know, siblings idea. weren't messing with their colors. <laughs> Another thing we've talked about unit studies before. So when my kids were t- uh, toddlers and preschoolers, I was already doing the, you know, asking like, what do you want to learn about this week? And we started doing like unit studies and things at that age, not necessarily educational. I mean, it's all educational to me, but uh, not academic sit down things, but fun. Like, you know, they said, we want to do dinosaur stuff. So then we, you know, went to the library. We got books about dinosaurs. We cooked mm-hmm. dinosaur snacks. We did dinosaur art. So we, uh, during the preschool years, like, we did lots of themed activities too, because they just had fun with that. Oh yeah. And the seasons of the year and the holidays, that brings you so many opportunities to do unit study activities with your little yeah. guys. We did more unit studies that were not planned exactly as, as freely as Jen's, but whatever we were studying, I always included the littlest activities for the little ones that went along with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So they were included. One of the newer we've talked about recently, but one of the newer ways that you can engage your preschoolers is through game schooling, board games, card games, printout games. And there are, you know, so many resources to find games for preschoolers and toddlers. Now there, there's just some really amazing learning games that are really fun for the whole family. So I love doing any type of game at that age. Oh yeah. And it doesn't have to even be marketed as an educational game for them to be learning a lot. Exactly. Oh yeah. I mean, if you play Candyland and we all know that Candyland is not the most fun game to play as an adult, (laughs) Uh, but they, but they learn to count. They learn the colors. Um, You can talk about the pictures on the board Um, And it's just natural. You're not saying, let's sit down. I'm going to teach you colors now. But, you know, when you say, oh, you got the red card. Do you know what red is? Find the red card. Find the red dot or whatever. All of it is educational. And games are a great way to have the older kids and younger kids interacting also. Yeah. You can can make so much of what you want to use with your kids. Um, We've all seen those lacing cards at the store. And they're real expensive. 
But, you know, if you hole punch, if you cut out some really fun looking things off of maybe a cereal box and you hole punch it and you get a big shoelace, it's just as much fun. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of lacing cards for my kids. I also made, um, I, I loved felt boards. And I Ooh, made felt I boards, felt boards and, too. <laughs> yeah, and felt things for my kids um, and they could sit and play with those little felt uh, things for hours. Um, so you don't have to spend a lot of money and you don't have to be super crafty. I'm not, I'm not, you know, super crafty, but my basic art skills that I learned in, in high school have stood me well as a homeschool mom. Also, again, not needing to spend money, but little uh, science projects with that age, you know, fun, like watch the colors change or things like that. Simple, messy science projects are so much fun. And it's easy to find those online anywhere. You know, look up preschool science and you'll find tons of activities for them to do. Yeah, it's the preschool years are so much fun. And um, I think sometimes, you know, it's more fun for us. We get to to (laughs) think, oh, you know, I remember that was so fun. Let's do that. Um, You know, who didn't, did any of you make um, those tin can stilts for your kids when they were little? (laughs) We did. Yeah. You know, stuff you're going to throw away becomes great resources for your preschoolers. And we also did things like while we were outside and somebody's walking around on their tin can still, somebody else might have a bucket of water and a paintbrush and they're, you know, drawing on the side of the house. And every now and then an older child would be start to like paint the little one's name or their initials. It's like, it just seemed like more formal learning kind of snuck in in playful ways while we were doing fun activities. Wait, you know, it's great when you say that because... I know that sometimes there's a lack of understanding about unschooling, but really exactly what you just said for unschooling is what you just keep continuing as they get older. So it's a preschool years are a great Mm -hmm. introduction if you are interested in unschooling to how you can just keep on doing that the rest of their lives. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think we complicate things for ourselves. And I think um, a lot of times when someone is just new to the idea of homeschooling, they've decided... I'm going to homeschool and my kid is two or three. They're so eager to get started and they feel so much pressure already um, that they're like, I've got to do something. But all the things you would just normally do are your preschool. You know, you're just normally going to teach your child to use a fork and a spoon and to clean up after themselves and to help you around the house. And that's preschool. But we don't we always discount the things we do as not being official. Yeah, I agree. And I've recommended to people before, like, if you're not sure, you know, keep a journal. Keep a journal and write down the things your child learned today. And, you know, my two-year-old learned how to throw a ball today or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They learned something today. And you should definitely give that some value. That's a very good point because in the busyness of a day and the exhaustion of being a parent, you might not realize how much has actually gotten done. I started doing that recently with myself. Instead of saying, well, I did not get done this thing. When I go to bed at night, I, I look over the day and I think, hey, I served three meals today and I and we got all of our schoolwork done and we made time for a park day. And, you know, like going over the wins of the day is way more encouraging than focusing on what you didn't do or what you thought you should do. That's a great way to look at life with toddlers and young preschoolers because those days can be long for for the parents that are at home with them. So I love that outlook. Yeah. What do they say? The days are long, but the years are short. Right. 
that didn't really make sense to me until I got a few years under my belt and realized that how true that is. And that's why I love that idea about keeping a journal, because once you start, you quickly realize how much learning is going on just as part of every day. Right. And just don't be so hard on yourself. Let some things go. Have fun with your kids and enjoy your time together. Here at the end of our podcast, we sometimes find ourselves at the news desk, where we discuss homeschooling news from around the country and around the world. Holly, what's our story for today? Well, we have a story from Alabama where they are working on a school choice bill. Um, which would allow the parents of that state to have their state education funding follow the students. So that sounds at first blush like a really great thing, except that when you take money, there are strings attached. Jen, did you did you see that article? I did. I looked it over. Um, and, you know, specifically, there are ta- the strings attached would be things like testing for if you're a homeschooler. Uh, testing and accountability, which they're kind of vague on what that would actually mean. But, you know, they bring up the the point that some people are homeschooling well, but some people aren't. And there's no way of knowing the state, knowing who's doing a good job. So they need some accountability for that. And that just, that worries me greatly (laughs) that the state feels they need to look into what, you know, people are doing with their children at home homeschooling really does concern me. Yeah, that prevalent idea that some people might not really be teaching their kids, that has always annoyed me. Like it Me too. It, it's he says in in the article that um the man who is bringing this bill, his he's Senator Del Marsh. Um he says if we include homeschool in this bill, we set up a mechanism so we at least have a registry of who those students are, what curriculum they're using. Right. Not choosing the curriculum, but a registry of it and annual testing. Well, it's just a slippery slope in my opinion. And this is why I've always told homeschoolers, support public education and don't seek those funds for yourself. You know, so yeah, you know, it might be, it might sound nice. Oh, they're going to give me some money, but Right. I don't think anybody's spending $5,000 home educating their kids. Um, I think, you know. Shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the you know, you really don't need the government to reimburse you or, because there are strings attached. And I thought this was going to happen when we started seeing more people homeschool as a consequence of COVID. You know, I think I think I talked about that in a previous uh, podcast where I I warned people, watch out, (laughs) it's coming, it's coming to a state near you. And, you know, this is Alabama this week, but uh, what state is it going to be next week? That is a state near us. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. (laughs) I know that for people new to the whole homeschool community um, who haven't like been around from the beginning way back. I mean, there were some really hard-won battles, if you want to call them that, for being able to independently homeschool your children and make your own decisions about what's right for your family without being directed in how to teach and train your children from the government. Um, And if you didn't live through those years, I can see how it might sound like a really great thing, but you you have Mm -hmm. to stop and think about what are you giving up. Right. And for some people, so to me, 
if a bill like this goes through, but it's optional, I can actually get on board with that. Like if it's your choice, whether or not you take the money and join the program, I'm okay with that because people can make their own informed, you know, adult decisions about their families. But if it's a statewide, everybody has to register. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. If they're telling me in this article that they're going to give me $5,400 per student, per family, that's a lot of money and could, you know, I can understand people going, oh, I could really use that money, you know, for my family. I also know that there's a lot of people that feel like, well, I pay those taxes. It's my money and they should give it to me. You know, I'm not in the school mm-hmm. system. And I, I understand all those, all those ideas, but um, you do just have to be very, very aware of what the requirements will be of you and your children when you do that. I guess I'm just wondering why do they want to be giving those homeschoolers money? It's like, where's this money coming from? So that's a good point, Ashley, and we shouldn't discount that there are actually people benefiting from these bills, and the homeschooling stuff kind of gets thrown into it. But in uh, Alabama, their school districts are very, very poorly ranked. They're not doing well at all. Um, so many people want to pull you know, their kids out of school and put them in private schools or move them to other school districts or things like that. And the, you know, there's a big sentiment that they they want their funding to go with them. Yeah. And, and I actually, I I don't know that that's a negative thing. I think that there's, you know, especially lower income areas who are not getting a good education in their schools they have access to may would, you know, be able to benefit from access to other schools if they're given the funding that they can use towards that education. Um, but it all gets tied, you know, messed up like all bills do. <laughs> Everything gets thrown in and put together as an equal thing. And, you know, homeschoolers just need to be very aware of how it affects them before they, you know, support a bill like this. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is when when you get politicians involved, a lot of times the things they want to do are at odds with what other people want. So um, the state superintendent for education in Alabama said that he wasn't consulted. Um, and we just had recently had an issue here in Texas where people who were on the education board for the state of Texas weren't even educators. Weren't educators, yes. So <laughs> that's the other part that gives me pause is because uh, we're still, as homeschoolers, in an, in an era of time where homeschooling is more popular and more people are doing it, it's still misunderstood. Yes. And mm-hmm. so when you have people who do not understand what's actually going on, making laws, that gives me a little bit of trepidation. It also, that also concerns me because the representation that we have as homeschoolers within politics are, you know, groups that a lot of people utilize, but they aren't necessarily groups that, you know, express your own personal interest as a homeschooler, because mm-hmm. all homeschoolers are different mm-hmm. as well. But we have a very limited group of, of people who are involved in the politics that, you know, speak for homeschoolers. And I think that they're considered, you know, as speaking for all homeschoolers. And that's, that's just concerning to me, too. Yeah, it, it just points to the fact that while we're doing lesson plans and while we're, you know, working to make sure we feed our kids, you know, our school lunch program, uh, we've got to also pay attention to our politics, uh, our state politics, um, and what our representatives are doing every time the legislature gets in session, because they might be doing something we're not too happy about. 
If you have any questions, comments, or homeschool news stories, please email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. And head to our Facebook page and join our group at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Thank you for listening today. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. And I'm Jennifer. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly Williams-Erbaugh. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we'll share ideas for how to teach preschool and ideas for what will make your... Oh, let me start that over. That was terrible. (laughs) It wasn't terrible. You just ran out of steam.